Mm. Amen. Amen. I think her testimony is right down the, it's on the right line with this morning. Yes. And it, it, it's, it's right there. Let's just follow along. Uh, you know, we're in Jonah chapter 3. And we're going to look at Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. It's really short. As you're turning there to Jonah chapter 3, I want you to remember back to whenever you were a young child well, it might not take you that long to get there. The thing is, is that whenever we were all growing up, you remember your, your mom or your dad, most probably your mom, had this one little item that she had to keep prominently uh, you know, positioned in the house to where everybody could see it, right? You, you know that? Uh, you know, a little vase, uh, you know, a little figurine, uh, you know, there was something that, don't break it, don't touch it. It's just there for everybody else as they come through. I'm able to tell them about what it is. But you know, as little children, you got brothers and sisters, right? And they tell you, play outside, not in the house. But you got to play inside because it's cooler inside, right? So you're playing one day, right? You got it? You're with me. Everybody's with me? You're playing with your brothers and sisters and you're doing exactly what your mother and father has told you not to do. And all of a sudden, you hear this noise that just simply brings across complete silence all the way throughout the house. What was that noise? The crash of that little figurine or that vase or whatever it may be hitting the floor. And then you start looking around. You're like, who's going to go tell mom? Who's going to pick this up and go tell mom? The oldest sibling, my sister, never once did it ever happen that she brought the item to mom. Me as the littler one, the youngest. I don't understand how it always fell upon me. But I remember several, several times having to do this. No one likes to be the bearer of bad news. Because if you're the bearer of bad news... A lot of times you get the blunt of the force of the bad news, right? Uh, you know, I go and as I'm going, I'm praying, I'm praying, and I'm like, please, mom, be in a good mood today. Please be in a good mood today. If not, I have my running shoes on because I, I don't want to be the first one to get it. I give you this little illustration, so hopefully this morning you will look a little bit lighter on Jonah. Because this is exactly what Jonah is supposed to do today. Uh, we're following this story. We go all the way back to the beginning. And we understand that whenever Jonah got onto the boat in Joppa, headed to Tarsus, that he was rejecting God. But there was something really specific that he was rejecting. And that specificness that he was rejecting is, is that he was rejecting doing the good or the great commission as in God has given us a message, and we must give that message. God said, I have a message for you to give to the Ninevites. You've got to take it to them. And Jonah says, oh, no, not going to be the bearer of that bad news. Because it's bad news, right? What was Jonah's message to the Ninevites? In 40 days, God is going to destroy you. In 40 days. 
How would you like to be the deliverer of that news? How would you like to be the one that showed up at district assembly on Sunday morning where there was over, or Sunday evening, where there was over a thousand Nazarenes there, and God had given you the message to take to the Nazarene church that said, if you don't turn back to holiness, God's going to destroy you. How would you like to be that one, that person? Jonah didn't want to be that person either. Just like we really don't want to be that person to our neighbors. We don't want to be that person to our friends. Can I tell you this morning that there's no gospel without the bad news. There is absolutely no way that we can truly trust in Jesus Christ unless we understand and we hear the bad news. And what is that bad news? If you do not repent of your sins, God will destroy you. You will live a life in hell or eternity in hell. That's the story. That's the message that Jonah was bringing to the Ninevites. And we pick at Jonah. We don't want to do it. We have people that are sitting right next to us in this church. And we don't want to tell them. We want to love them to death. There was one man in our zone meeting whenever we broke apart. The pastor at Clover Church of the Nazarene gave up, stood up to give his church's report. And he said, I don't have good news. He said, I've been a pastor of this church for two years. And I'm having to go back to the basic and teach all of these older Christians about living a life of holiness. He says, we have flip-flopped. Because whenever we started the church of the Nazarene, it was 90% holiness and 90% judgment and 10% love and God's mercy. And now we have flipped it and now we're 90% God's love and mercy and 10% God's judgment. Jonah doesn't want, Jonah is fighting a battle here because Jonah doesn't want a merciful God for the Ninevites. So he's not going to bring him the message because he knows if the Ninevites repent that God is going to show mercy on them and he's not going to destroy them. God is supposed to be this judgeful God. After all, the Ninevites, they've been killing all the, you know, they've been killing the Israelites for many years. They deserved this, right? They deserved for God to destroy them. Jonah didn't want to tell them the message because they knew that he knew that God would have mercy on them. We today, we are right here in the midst of this. We have the LGBT club that's saying, Oh, if you don't let me into the church, you don't like me. If you don't let me become a leader in the church, that means you hate me. You don't like me. How are we supposed to give God's message of doom and still love the people? How do we do it? We do it through God's mercy. How do we love the unlovable? We do it through God's mercy. But the thing about it is, is that they can't receive God's mercy if they don't know about their doom. If we just simply bring them in and we love them and we love them and we love them, are we showing God's doom? Are we showing them, are we showing them that if you continue to live this life, that you will live in eternity in hell? Do we allow our brothers and sisters to sit next to us in church? 
and just allow them to do whatever they want to do and say, oh, it's okay, it's okay. We cannot understand the magnitude of God's glory and God's mercy in the gospel if we don't understand the judgment. Jonah gives it to us this way. So let's, let's look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah the second time. He said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Now notice that God didn't give him a new message. The message that Jonah is going to present here is the same message that God gave to him in chapter 1. The message that God gave the church of the Nazarene back in its foundation is the same message that God gives to the church today. And that message is holiness. That you have to live a life that is set apart for God Almighty. And that life is not a life that looks like this world. That life is a life that follows and walks in the manner that is worthy of the call of being a child of God. That means that whenever we sin, we are mournful and we bow at the altar and we ask for forgiveness. And we walk the life that He has put before us. Wow. Okay, we're only on verse 3. I'll kind of contain myself here. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap and showed their sorrow. They showed their sorrow. So they heard the message. Not only did they hear the message, they responded to the message. And their response to the message was, yes, I'm wicked. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And on top of that, I'm going to put burlap on. I am going to allow people to know that I am sorrowful for what I have done. How many of you have ever worn burlap before? Any of you ever worn burlap before? One person. Have you ever stuck your hand into a burlap sack? Is it really comfortable? No. So why are Christians today still comfortable with asking for forgiveness of their sins? All I have to do is come up to the altar and say, God, you know, forgive me for this. And I'm done. Everything's okay. And I get up and I go to my seat. <laughs> from the least or from the greatest, their sin. They were mortal of it. They repented. They fasted. They prayed. I'm going to ask this question, but I don't want you to raise your hand. When was the last time that you fasted because you had sinned against God? When was the last time that you fasted because you wanted something from God? It's a whole lot easier to ask that last, answer that last one, isn't it? Why did God forgive the Ninevites? Because he saw their hearts. Because he saw their actions. And he heard their prayers. We're afraid to come to the altar because somebody might think that I'm confessing a sin. What? What's the altar for? Uh, you know, we, we have, we've lost this. And if, if I'm the reason why you've lost it, I'm sorry. But being a Christian is not easy. God never said it would be easy. But it's worth it. 
I don't think I remember where I was at. Was I at six? Okay. When the king of Nineveh heard this, or heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent out this decree to the city. Before we get into the decree, let's look here and let's go to the king. Because whenever the king stepped down from his throne, what was he doing? He was showing humility. He was showing that I understand that even though I am the king of this country, God is a whole lot bigger than I am. And I am humbling myself before him. Also want you to grab a hold of those words that says that he sat on an ash heap or a heap of ashes, depending on your translation. Do you understand why we do Ash Wednesday? Because if we do not humble ourselves and if we do not, if we do not show and allow some type of physicalness to our sin, then we're still hiding it from the others. But I, I've got the butt in my head. No, wait a minute. I've got the question in my head. Because you remember the scripture that says that whenever you fast, that you're not supposed to let the people know? Because the Pharisees would have this mournful face and like they didn't, like they didn't shower for a couple of weeks. That's not what I'm talking about whenever I say that there has to be a physical appearance of the forgiveness of our sins that we've got to do something that shows that we have repented i've given y'all a story about this before because it's easy i'm gonna say this it's easy to ask god to forgive you it's really difficult to ask your wife to forgive you it's really difficult to ask somebody else in the congregation to forgive you because they're there it's physical Whenever you confess the sin, the next time that you see them, I hope they look at you and they say, hey, how are you doing with that? Are you still claiming victory over that? Mm. So let's look at this. Let's go into the decree. The decree, it says, no one, not even the animals from your herd and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even, God, even yet God will change His mind and hold back His fierce anger from destroying us. Hmm. We've all heard the story, or maybe y'all haven't heard the story about Vicki Lambert. Going to a dinner whenever she she was invited to a dinner, uh, you know, um, I think she was still part of the armed services, and they told her that she needed to bring dressed chicken, and she couldn't find a dressed chicken, so she dressed up a rooster, and she literally brought the rooster on a leash to the dinner, dressed up. Your animals get nothing to drink, they get nothing to eat, they have to dress up, they have to wear things. That shows that they're even mourning. Shows that they're not worthy of God's glory and of God's mercy. Wow. The Ninevites were serious. They weren't half-baked, half-hearted. Oh, I'll do this just simply so it'll look good. 
They meant it. Why did they mean it? Why did it mean so? See, they, they knew. They knew that if I don't repent of this, in 40 days will be destroyed. I've been on this earth for 52 years. I'm still healthy. I take two pills a day. Minimal blood pressure medicine. Nothing major. When am I going to die? I don't know, but I act like I have a long time to live. I have more than 40 days. Because I tell you what, if I thought I only had 40 days to live, whoo, I think I'd have a bigger motorcycle. No. I know that I'd be telling a whole lot more people about Jesus Christ. The thing about it is, is that Jonah, Jonah preaches this message of doom. And because he preached the message of doom, the wicked people, they were able to experience the mercy and the glory of God Almighty. But they had to hear the doom. We, today, us, I'm talking about us that's sitting right in here. I'm not talking about the people that's outside these four walls. But us, right here today, we have to understand. If there's sin in my life, I'm doomed. If there's sin in my life and I died today, I'd be going straight to hell. God loves us and God is merciful. But he says, sin will not enter into heaven. And if sin is in your life, you will not enter into heaven. You know, we don't understand the doom because we have lived for so long. Now, there's some of us in here that's, uh, there's some of y'all, I'll rephrase it. There's some of y'all in here that has experienced the cancer. There's some of y'all that have been close to death that you possibly understand the doom. But did we do the appropriate things to show God that we understand who he is and we understand what we have to do? Jonah was given a message to give to the Ninevites. They heard the message. They responded to the message. They responded to the message by fasting and by praying, by asking for forgiveness, by putting on burlap and by sitting on ash heaps. They made their animals fast and they made their animals wear burlap. They cried out to God. Verse 10, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. We have to understand the doom before we can have a truly repentive heart. Whenever we have a truly repentive heart, we have to humble ourselves before God and repent of that. And whenever we repent of that, we must look different than we did before we went in. There has to be a difference about us. There has to be. And if we do that, whoo, we get the glory. We get the forgiveness. We get God's mercy poured out upon our lives. But, you know, I believe we would all be foolish to think that this happens once in our lives. That there's one time in your life that you realize the doom and you realize where you are. And you ask for forgiveness of your life. And you truly repent of that sin. And you turn from your wicked ways. That that's it. If you are, you've faked out yourself. Because Satan is cunning. And Satan will bring things in our lives 
at all different times, through all different avenues and all different ways that will get in between us and God. And sin will enter into our lives. We have to realize that even at that point in time, if we do not ask for forgiveness for our sins, even though we're sitting in church, even though we have professed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we still have sin in our lives, we must repent of those sins and we must turn from those wicked ways. If we do not, we will be one of those Christians that he will look at us and he'll say, "Mm, I've never known you. Just because you were sitting in the church pews, just because you were doing the work of the church, I never known you because I am not in your heart. That's a life of holiness, but it's got to be a life of difference. And that difference is the difference that we have to take from here to those people that's out in the world. We're going to take communion this morning. We're going to do it a little bit differently The way that we're going to do communion this morning is is that you're going to come to the altar. You're going to come to the free communion. There's going to be ushers that's going to be standing at your aisle. And whenever they get to your aisle, then you will be able to come forward. Now, the thing about it is, is that we've already talked about this. Uh, You know, whenever we look and we take communion, uh, you know, we're here at God's table. That is a table for everybody to come to. But the scripture tells us that if there is, that if you have sin or if you have aught against your brother that is in your life and you take of communion, then a curse will fall upon you. That's not my words, that's God's word. So this morning, whenever you come forward, the very first thing that I want you to do is that I want you to bow your heads. If you can kneel at the altar, kneel at the altar. I want you to bow your heads and make sure. That everything is right with you and God before you take communion. Whenever everything is right before you and God, I don't care how long it takes. But whenever everything is right in between you and God, look up and there will be someone there to administer the sacraments to you. So we've got it. We've got to get ourselves right before we take this. At district assembly, we took communion on the last service. And there was a young gentleman that got up and was going to administer the sacraments. And he said there's two times that Jesus did this used and used the same words to his disciples and gave them the food, and then they distributed the food. You've got the feeding of the 5,000, you've got the feeding of the 4,000. It says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it, and he gave it to the people. And then he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples dispersed it, and it fed 5,000 people one time and 4,000 people another time. And then we come to the Lord's Supper on his last night, and he gave it for them to keep. But he gave it to them to keep with the understanding that this table that we're at, you're supposed to go out and invite other people to this table. Because this is the Lord's table And every single person in this world is invited to this table as long as they receive Christ as their Savior. So this morning we take this in remembrance of Jesus Christ, of what He's done for us. But we take it in remembrance of Him so that we can take it to the people that don't have it yet. So if I can have Larry and Kelly and if I can have John... On that last night, 
last night, Jesus took the bread. And he broke it. And he blessed it. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. And he said, take this and eat this in remembrance of me. Remembering what I have done for you. Remembering what I have saved you from. Death. Eternity in hell. I have given you away from that. And then the disciples took it. And then Jesus took the wine. He took that cup. And I can imagine in all humbleness and all his reverence, he held that cup up. And he said, God, and he told the disciples, he said, this is my blood that was shed for you. And he said, this is the new covenant that I have with my people. That if you take this, this covenant with you, and then they drink it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, dear Lord, for this day. God, as we partake of this special meal today. God, I pray that one, our hearts are right with you. And two, that we take this and we invite everyone that we see to come to your table because you love them and because you have mercy for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you can go ahead. God gave a message to Jonah to give to the Ninevites. God has given each one of us a message to give to his people so that he can show mercy and love upon them. So as we go today, we go with God's message in our heart. His message of love and of mercy but of realization that we are lost and we are doomed without Him. Let's stand for dismissal. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for today. God, I pray that You will be with each one that's here. God, I pray that Your face would shine down upon us. And God, that Your blessings from heaven will be poured out on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.